401k advisors want to build a scalable practice, but aren't always sure what to do next. Welcome to Outcomes, the podcast designed to help advisors think, make decisions, and cast a vision to create a business for the future. Here's your host, Ross Marino, financial planner, author, speaker, and CEO of Advisor2x. Welcome to Outcomes, the podcast. Today, I'm joined by my friend Jay Coulter, author of The Resilient Advisor, host of The Resilient Advisor Show. Jay, welcome to the show. Ross, thank you so much for having me on and congratulations on the launch and success of your podcast. I know they're hard to do. It's a lot of work. It's a big learning curve. Like anything else, there's so much that goes into any type of communication or marketing, but it's a lot of fun. I know you've done it for quite a bit. You've, how many podcasts have you done? So with The Resilient Advisor, we're up to about 140, 150. And then my previous podcast, which was in the mental health space, we did about 90 of those. So I've got a few under my belt. Well, we're going to cover a lot of ground today. You, you are The Resilient Advisor coach. You certainly understand our industry inside and out, and, and you're really good tactically. So that's what I've had people tell me about you as far as execution and really figuring out what to do and how to do it. That's a strength of yours. And you have a really good approach to COIs. And I've listened to some of your resources related to that. And I want to talk about that because a lot of our listeners, they're in the employer-sponsored plan and space and the COIs. That drives a lot of their business. It's accountants, it's attorneys, it's different people. And some advisors are good at it, others not so much. But but before we dive into the secret sauce to COIs, as if there's actually a secret sauce, but <laughs> it sounds like a nice teaser anyway. It does. Before we dive into that, you use the word resilient in your book, in your podcast. How about giving us some insight on why that word means so much to you? Yeah, so I've, I felt backwards into the word. It really wasn't that thought out when I did it. I needed a brand. Uh, I had done some work in the mental health space, uh, helping promote resources to people that were struggling with stress, anxiety, depression, et cetera. And what I found when I started consulting five years ago is that it's actually a pretty prevalent problem in our industry. And so knowing that that was going to be part of the package I put together and work with advisors on and the idea of building some resilience in your personal life and in your business, really, it resounded with me and it resounded with the clients that I was working with. Part of my daily routine is affirmations. It's in the Panda Planner. It's one of the planners that I, I use occasionally. And for an affirmation, it's writing down something for your identity of who you want to be. Because if I'm going to change, we know that I have to see myself as someone different. I have to become someone different. This morning, for example, I wrote, I listen, I learn, because that's the person I want to be. Um, I don't listen as much as I need to or as well as I need to, but I want to. So I thought that's a good thing to write today. I listen and the result is I learn. What I didn't write down is I am resilient, but that would be a really smart thing to write down. Why isn't that as instinctive to advisors to write down or say, I am a resilient person? So I don't have a lot of experience with affirmations outside of researching them. So when I wrote The Resilient Advisor, it's really, it, it outlays a system that I call the protocol system because every good consultant puts a name on everything. And so this is called the protocol system and it's driven by research from the areas of positive psychology, emotional intelligence, and physiological science, a fancy word for diet and exercise. 
And in there, it, it shows different daily habits that you can put into your life to help build that resilience. And there's 36 of them in there. It's all, again, academically researched stuff. It's kind of like a book report. If anybody would like a complimentary copy, visit resilientadvisor.com and I give it away. And in there, it does talk about the power of those daily affirmations and how they can help you. And in my work with advisors, if they're going through the protocol system, I have seen great results for those advisors who are really stuck, Ross, building in those daily affirmations to help them. When you go over something like a protocol system, and I've read the book, I saw the protocols, when you read them, they're intuitive. It's not something where you kind of pull back and think, oh, I don't know how that would work. Like being grateful for something. I get that. It makes a lot of sense. It's intuitive. I know they work, but until you actually start your own protocol, start your own morning routine and do it, I think it may be hard to understand the impact of what it will mean to your life and how your day will play out if you have a different protocol system. So if I want to start how about giving me two or three that you think are baby steps that'll make a difference? Yes. And so I am a big fan of this daily routine, but I don't always practice it. And what I have found is anytime I'm off my protocol system, I actually am not in balance in my own life. And a lot of struggles are going on. Now, I stole the name protocol system from a woman named Shamiqua Holdsclaw who played basketball at the University of Tennessee, won three or four uh, national championships there in the 1990s, went on, was the number one pick in the WNBA draft. Uh, there was actually talk about her playing in the NBA back then. She was just that good. And within a couple of years, she was out of the WNBA and she had a mental health breakdown. Today, she is one of the biggest advocates for mental health today in the world. And she came on my old podcast and she said, Jay, I just have this daily routine that I have to do. I call it my protocol system. And I know if I don't do it, my day does not go well. Hers included meditation and exercise. So I, uh, for myself, it is exercise and then eating ridiculously healthy. I try to work in meditation during periods of high stress. But for anybody looking to get started, exercise is number one. Ross, may I tell you a story along those lines? Please. So I was referred to a client who's a financial advisor, a branch manager to, as well, that was going through a very difficult time. She had just lost her husband to a two-year battle with cancer. And like at all wirehouses, uh, she was feeling the pressure of growing the branch and not getting the results that she needed. She was putting on weight and could not get out of her own way. As with all engagements, it started talking about investments because that's the, that's the backbone of my consulting business. But we quickly figured out that she was stuck. And we came up with one thing for her to do, and that was to walk around the block for 10 minutes. So after our weekly call, uh, after a week went by after that first call, and she said, Jay, I couldn't do it. I said, all right, well, let's start smaller. Let's walk for five minutes. A week later, she wasn't able to do that. And then she told me that there's a treadmill in her bedroom. And I said, all right, well, let's try this. Let's just get up and walk for 60 seconds before you start your day on the treadmill and see if you can do that for five days. A week later, she had executed on that. 90 days later, she was running 5Ks. The hardest thing for anybody who is stuck is to get started in setting those realistic expectations. And I believe exercise is the first one because you know, the smart doctors tell us that there are more endorphins released and chemicals released from exercise than any pill that you could take uh, to try and level set your stress. I know exercise is a big deal. Something I started doing recently as motivation for myself was whenever I'm at the gym and I'm now there 
pretty consistently a couple times a week. And that's my goal. So I'm not a gym rat, but if I can get in two times a week, I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. There's a moment when you're working out, when those endorphins are releasing and you're sweating and you feel it. And anybody who works out, they know that moment and they feel it and they think this feels good. I've been pausing and telling myself, remember this. This is why I go to the gym because sometimes you don't want to go to the gym, but I want to remember that feeling. So I've been reinforcing myself of, yes, this is that feeling. I will be happy once I finally go out and do that because I have to get over that first step. I have to get over the hurdle of stepping on the treadmill for 60 seconds before all of a sudden I'm running 5Ks. And, you know, habits are tough and finding whatever it is that gets it done for you, a lot of trial and error in there. Are, are you big on tiny habits and tiny steps? Is that something you try to walk people through? I find for people who are really struggling, that's what you have to do. And when we talk about business systems, it's the same thing. If you start out big, it seems overwhelming and that you can't execute on it. If you start out small, it tends to develop those habits and you can grow from it. But most importantly, when you talk about a protocol system for your own personal well-being, you got to recognize that you're, there are times you're going to get off track and it's okay. You just got to get back on. You know, for me personally, when they started locking everything down, I got off my daily exercise. It was much easier just to sit in my house uh, and sit on the couch because I was being told to do that and not exercise. And so I had to start the daily habit of, okay, a 20-minute jog now instead of, you know, the longer ones that I used to like to do. And so I, I encourage folks that feel like they're stuck just start with exercise and start small. When I read the books about habits, it's usually finding what is that obstacle. And I just told my oldest daughter the other day that I figured out my trick to going to the gym. And she said, uh, you know, you've got to get in the car. I said, nope, that's not it. You've got to get your clothes out ahead of time. I said, that's a good one for people. That's not it. Mine is I have to reserve a spot at the gym using an app online, knowing that I took somebody else's spot. Once I make that commitment and I'm in, there's no way I'm not going to the gym. So I all I have it. to do is press the button and say, I will be there at three or 4.30. I work out in the afternoon. Once I do that, I have gone 100% of the time. So at this point in my life, that's the one thing. And I think that's part of the challenge is figuring out what is that step that's unique to you that will help you accomplish whatever it is you need to do. Any tips on how you find that step? Yeah, actually, that's how I got out of it last time. So uh, there's a gentleman named Brad Johnson with Advisors Excel. Uh, mm -hmm. He has a pretty big social media brand. He has a very popular podcast. And when the lockdown started, he got together a group of folks that have a large Twitter footprint like I do and invited them into this app called Spar. And in Spar, it's a daily accountability system where you'd have to take a video of yourself doing exercise. There weren't rigid rules around it, but these were all type A people like myself that were not going to be the person that didn't post a video that day of themselves exercising. Uh, and in fact, you know, I'd reached out to Brad here recently. I, I did it for about two months and, and I thanked him because if he had not put that group together, I would not have had the accountability to get myself off the couch and get back into that daily habit of exercise. It just sounds like there's always some type of external motivation combined with internal that is really gonna lead to some type of behavior change because just saying I want to be healthier, I think everybody would say that, but they're not doing it. So do you think it really is the combination? Do you have to have both sides of it? I don't know that I'm qualified to answer that. I just know from my own experience, uh, having 
a systematized approach that I know has worked and is there if I'm off track to get back on has helped me and has helped people that I have worked with. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not a mental health coach. If somebody is, is, that is listening is struggling, get professional help. I'm just talking about some habits that really help mitigate stress when you're in a bad spot. I actually wrote this system uh, in my first book called Conquer Worry, which was part of the advocacy uh, organization I was telling you about before. And I wrote it through the lens of at the time, my son, I believe was like five or six years old. And I had recently gone through a period where, man, I got my butt kicked by anxiety and I couldn't figure out how to get out of my own way. And this was the culmination of all the research I did on how I could personally build a, a routine to not get back in that spot. So I wrote it through the lens of my son reading it when he's 35 years old and going through it's something difficult in life. And what I have learned from other people using the system, uh, and this makes it sound like it's a big deal, but that book has been sold on five different continents. And the reason is there's such a need for people to help themselves get out of their own way. And the feedback I get from it, it's amazing. Everybody has a different protocol in there that they like that help them get out of it. So it's going through having this self-motivation to pick what you can do on a daily basis to help make yourself better. Love it. If you want different results, you got to do something differently, right? That's right. So let's shift gears. Let's head to the professional world, COI Center of Influence. You talk to one group of advisors and they will tell you, fantastic for me. I get lots of referrals. I have great relationships. It is how I have built my practice. You talk to another group of advisors and they'll say, it sounds great. And I know that some advisors can do that, but it just doesn't work for me. So the group that's successful, are they doing something different? Do they know something that the other group doesn't know? What separates those groups? So there's no magic key to building relationships with anybody, whether it's a center of influence or it's not. I like to point out to advisors, there's really only three ways to get new clients, according to industry research. It's either a referral from an existing client, it is an introduction from a center of influence, or it's from your own sales and marketing. And if you look at it through those three buckets, the COI marketplace is a very valuable resource because if you build one or two of those centers of influence over the course of your career, they can make your career. But the reason it's so difficult to do is because it is so fruitful. So the challenge is to build a system, like with everything I talk about, so that you're consistently in front of those people that can have an impact on your business. You talk about the referral matrix, and I love the word matrix. It was one of my favorite all-time movies out there. And yes, for those people who love the movie, the question is, what is the matrix? So I'll just play off that. What is the referral matrix, Jay? So when somebody goes through what I call the Pinger system, which is the name of my networking system that I teach advisors, and I give this away, Ross, if anybody would like to download the ebook and the template to start executing on the Pinger system, visit resilientadvisor.com forward slash Pinger, P-I-N-G-E-R, and you can go to town on this yourself. The crux of the Pinger system is to create a system that enables you to stay in front of the people that are important to you in your network. This can include clients or these centers of influence that we're talking about. So what this system does is methodically lay out a, a calendared system for you to reach, to stay in front of those people. Excuse me, I bobbled that a little bit, Ross. Now, I want to tell a story, if it's okay with you, as to how this type of pinger system can be impactful to someone's business, and then the referral matrix would make sense. Is that okay? Let's do it. All right. So the crux of the pinger system is if you think somebody can add value to your business or personal life, 
you need to make sure you have a way to consistently be in front of them. Two years ago, I had the fortunate opportunity for be, to be written up in the 401k specialist magazine as one of the top podcasts for financial advisors. Ross, I appreciate you guys doing that, but I didn't know who you were. So I did, so I did some research, figured out that you were the person that probably had an influence on that, and I wanted you to be in my network. I don't know if I cold called you or cold emailed. We had an initial conversation. I decided at that time that you were somebody that I probably needed to reach out to every 90 days and just kind of check in with. And Ross, I don't know if you know this. I only know it because I looked it up before we did this broadcast. Here's how it unfolded. The next time we spoke, I said, are anybody I could introduce you to? And you said, you know, I'd really like to support more women in this industry. Do you know anybody I need to connect with? And I had recently connected with Deidre Van Nest, who's a uh, speaking coach for financial advisors. I made an introduction and I know that you've had a fruitful relationship with them. About six months later, you were thinking about getting in the podcast space. And I said, you know, my good friends, Matt Halloran and Kirk Lowe, I think you might want to at least have a conversation with them. You then, after one of our uh, subsequent conversations, invited me to speak at one of your conferences on my OKR system. And when I was there, who do I see? Deidre and Matt and Kirk from Top Advisor Marketing. That's the power of staying in front of people and helping people that can have an impact on your business. And that's the exact way I encourage advisors to do that with those centers of influence and the people in their book of business that are those advocates. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And it's showing that the one and done type of connection really isn't going to work in the professional world. You have to ping them. You have to stay connected with them. But what I heard you say and what I know I experienced is you found ways to add value based on what I was doing on my end. And as long as someone adds value to you, you want to be pinged by them. Is, is that part of it? Absolutely. And that's, that's the crux of it. You know, Zig Ziglar has a famous quote that I both love and hate. If you help enough people get what they want, you will get everything that you want. And I loved it. That was in my presentations for years, but I actually found it led me astray some because I was trying to help people that did not have an interest in a two-way relationship. So Ross, in our relationship, you've invited me to speak at conferences. You've introduced me to people that have been impactful and I've done the same. So it's important as you build your pinger system that you're pinging people that where you're establishing a give and take and you're not just pinging people in a one-way relationship. So Mark Twain says... It ain't what you don't know that hurts you. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. What did you know for sure, Jay, that you eventually learned it just ain't so? All right. So, Russ, we've spoken about the protocol system and the pinger system because I put a system on everything and I sound like a practice management coach. My passion is investments. I provide you know, COI services to help financial advisors build out their investment system. Here's what I knew was certain that I later found out I don't believe. And that is the constructs of modern portfolio theory and using traditional valuation metrics to build portfolios. The reason I believed in it is really the way I was raised. So I am 47 years old. I started out in a Dean Witter bullpen, hawking stocks on the phone, cold calling. My career grew where I picked up the CFP designation, where modern portfolio and valuations are beat into you. The SEMA designation, the same constructs. Picked up an MBA from Emory. I say picked up. <laughs> Worked for an MBA at Emory. And Can I pick up one of those, by the way, <laughs> if I swing by? That sounded like a good deal. Yeah, yeah. for, for a little too much money, I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's taught in all the programs that I was educated, and I never thought outside the box and did my own thinking. And so that is a, that is a great example of where later in life I thought, you know, I took that as fact, and it turns out it really wasn't. What do you wish you were better at right now? 
I wish I was a better entrepreneur. So I kind of became an entrepreneur by accident. And I don't know if it's Dan Sullivan over at Strategic Coach, but somebody who's really good at coaching entrepreneurs said, if you have a business where everything's predicated upon you doing it, you have a job and not a business. And that's kind of where I find myself today. So I wish I was better at building a business as opposed to a job for myself. So I think you know our magic wand question. If you could wave a magic wand, change anything in the world, what would you change? You know, that's easy. You know, we're recording this in the fall of 2020, late fall. And I wish we could just make this virus go away and people could get back to their normal lives. That's a great thing, but I'm not going to let you go with that. I agree too on the virus. I need another one, please. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping I could get away with that, but I thought maybe you would push me a little bit. We've spoken about mental health and the importance of uh, mitigating stress in your life if you're stuck and getting help and having a system. I wish that we could have an environment where younger people today are taught the value of taking care of your mental health as well as your physical health so that when the challenges of life come at them, they have the tools to take care of themselves and not end up going down the roads that we see a lot of young people and then later in life, older folks go through as they try to recover. Great way to end. Jay, thank you so much for being on the show. Any final words for everybody? Not at all. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for listening to Outcomes. Subscribe now to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Advisor 2X. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. 